Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, whose empty tomb sucks us into his life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Easter is kind of a strange holiday when you compare it to its uh, liturgical cousin, Christmas. When you think about the differences between Easter and Christmas, um, uh, th- there's some pretty significant ones. Uh, first of all, the cast of characters is, is a little bit different. You, you have In Christmas, you have the cast of characters that starts off with Mary and Joseph, and then you get Jesus, and then you get an angel, and then you get some shepherds, and then maybe a little bit later on, you get some wise men or magi, and then a little bit later on, you get Ralphie from the Christmas story, and then Ebenezer Scrooge, and you get all of this like huge cast of characters. And the cast of characters in Easter is, well, it's not a very star-studded cast. I mean, when, when we're reading along, we, we notice uh, one name that we know, uh, and that's Jesus. But he, he kind of plays a, a different role here. And, and so then we get to the other characters. The first characters that we meet is this band of women who, uh, of those women, we've probably heard of Mary Magdalene, but we don't really know who she is. And, so, and then we, we get some other ladies and, and even just some people that are called the other women. And then you get, well, you know, two random angels. And then after that, you, you get the 11 apostles who they don't even bother mentioning their names, except for the one guy and the one guy that we know, Peter, because he's always there. And, and th- there's just kind of this feel that, okay, well, well, that's a difference. And uh, then, then there's a difference in terms of how we celebrate it. You know, it. When we celebrate Christmas, it's surrounded by all of this fanfare. It's surrounded by all of this time of preparation. It's surrounded uh, by uh, us putting up decorations on our houses and, uh, and doing all sorts of things. It's a, a time when uh, a lot of people are, are thinking about getting engaged. It, it's really kind of this big deal. And when you get to Easter, well, you, you get kind of like, well, I have to buy some candy and go to JCPenney and buy a suit or a dress. And it just seems kind of like, oh, well, that's a little different. And so you start beginning to wonder, okay, well, what's this whole Easter thing all about? And what makes Easter so sort of distinctly different than Christmas? I mean, we like both of them, but but they are a little bit different. And, and probably one of the biggest differences between Christmas and Easter is that Christmas is a very positive holiday, while Easter is a very negative holiday. Now, by those terms, I, I don't mean by positive that uh, that positive equals good or optimistic. And by negative, I don't mean that negative equals bad or pessimistic. What I mean by that, by those terms is that positive means that you're positing something. You, you are putting something into your thought process. But when you look at our reading for this morning, the reading from Easter is a very negative, again, not meaning bad or pessimistic, but meaning that things are being taken away. A very negative reading. So the ladies, they get up early in the morning and they go to the tomb. And they go to the tomb and lo and behold, uh uh-oh, the stone is rolled away 
And they look inside of the tomb and they find that he is not there. Now, it's important to remember that this is a negative telling because twere it a positive telling, here's what would have happened. The ladies get up early in the morning. They walk over with some spices and some aloe and some other good stuff to wipe his body down. And they find Jesus there on his morning jog. That would be the positive version. But we get the negative version. The version that says, well, he's not here. Doesn't tell us where he is. It just tells us where he isn't, which is in the tomb. He is not here. And who is in the tomb? Well, two angels who apparently are captains of the heavenly host division of, well, just kind of stating the obvious. Because of the two angels, they say, well, he's not here. He's risen. The, the women go, yeah, we could tell he's not here. But then the angels remind them, you know, this was all planned out. This was a part of the plan. But the women don't ever ask and the angels don't ever offer, well, where is Jesus? The important thing about the story is he's not here. And so then you go and the women get very excited. They run off. They go tell the 11 disciples because Judas, well, something happened with him. And we'll talk about that later on in the church here. And they go and they say, hey, uh, Jesus isn't around. And the disciples are kind of like, I don't know about that. But Peter, Peter, Mr. Impetuous, Gets up, he runs to the grave just to check it out for himself. And sure enough, what does Peter find? Oh, the ladies are right. He is not here. Again, Peter does not leave the 11 disciples, run back to the tomb, and while he's there, find Jesus hanging out at a cafe and ask him, what's the deal? He just goes to the tomb and he says, Jesus is not here. And then he walks away, the Bible says, marveling to himself. Interesting. So that's the difference. That's the difference between Christmas and Easter. In Christmas, you have Jesus arriving places. You know where he is. He's in the manger, and there he is. And the shepherds are told where he's going to be, and the shepherds come, and they go, oh, there he is. And the magis say, hey, look at that star. I bet behind that star there's a baby. Let's go find the baby. They go and travel several years, and they find, boom, a baby. Who is the Christ? Who is the Savior of the world? Who is destined to have a story at the end of his life that is a negative story that is Well, I'm going to find Jesus where I think that he's going to be, and he's not there. And so I think that's why sometimes we have a little bit of a difficult time with Easter. I think that's why the way that we celebrate Easter is just so absolutely random from the biblical text. 
that we celebrate Easter by supplanting strange characters that have nothing to do with the story of Christ. We have a bunny. Then we're like, oh, well, obviously the story needs something. So, oh, I opened up the tomb, I didn't find Jesus, but I found a bunny and he's got some chocolate, so I'm good. And I think that's also why every year, at least for the past five years or so, we see Easter movies. Right? Because there's a feeling that we have deep down inside of us that we're like, well, the Easter story is so negative. There's so much like he's not here that we have to supplant something in there. And so this year we have Risen and the Young Messiah. A couple of years back we had the Bible. And then way before that, we had the passion of the Christ. And there's kind of this sense that we need to bring something to Easter. Because it's just so stinking negative. There's a hole, there's a void, there's like this empty tomb in the middle of the whole thing. And we're kind of uncomfortable with that. Because an empty tomb is a void. And what we try to do as human beings is we try to fill up the void. And so we fill it up in the ways that we fill it up, either with movies or chocolate or family or ham or whatever it is. But we try to fill up that void. But if you think about it, Christian theology is a very negative theology. Again, By negative, I do not mean bad, and I do not mean pessimistic. I mean that it takes stuff away. The major tenet of Christian philosophy is this. Because of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And we talk about forgiveness like it's a positive thing, like it's something that we can hang on to, like, oh, I've got this forgiveness, isn't it nice? But it's not. Because forgiveness is a negative. Forgiveness is something that takes away. Forgiveness is something that takes your sins and negates them. Pulls them out of you. Leaves you as an empty tomb, as it were. And yet so often in the midst of that void... We feel it's necessary for us to fill that up again. We had a student here several years ago. Uh, His his name was Brian. Well, actually, his name really wasn't Brian, but that's what I'm going to say. It wasn't Kyle. (laughs) And so, Brian, Brian told me early on that... Uh, he was a student here at Florida State, told me early on when he started getting connected here, he said, just so that you know, uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And we started getting into conversations, and I was very impressed by Brian. Brian had had a pretty rough life. He had been a recovering alcoholic for a couple of years then. And uh, and uh, got to know him really well, and, and all of a sudden, Brian, well, he, he just dropped off the face of the earth. He wouldn't return any of my phone calls and my emails, anything like that. And I kind of wondered what happened to Brian. 
Well, sure enough, a little bit later on, Brian resurfaces. And Brian comes and talks to me. And Brian is full of shame because Brian has relapsed. And he wants to talk to me about it. And as we're talking about his relapse, he said one of the most interesting things I I think I've heard out of somebody who deals with that. He said, you know, it was so much easier to think of myself as a drinker than as not a drinker. I couldn't think of myself in terms of what I was not. And so it became so much easier for me to think of myself in terms of what I was. And I knew that I was a drinker. I knew that I was an alcoholic. And because of that, one day I decided, well, that's who I am. That's my identity. My identity is not in who I am not, meaning recovering alcoholic, but my identity is in who I am. I'm a dirty drinker and alcoholic, and that's how I'm going to behave. Well, so often that's the way that we live our lives, because it is so much easier for us to just fill up that void with what we know, with the positive. The real difficulty about being a Christian, about holding on to Christian theology, is not to accept what it postulates. The real difficulty is to accept what it takes away. It takes away your sin. It takes away your self-righteousness. It takes away all of the things that you hold on to so very dearly. And it gives you an empty tomb. A vast expanse of nothing. And we try to fill it up by either saying, well, there's this emptiness, so I'm going to fill it up with sin. This is one of the ways that we do it, that we say, well, there's this emptiness, so I'm going to fill it up with some more sin, and then I'll go back to church, and then Jesus can take that away, and then I'll have room for some other sin. Or we fill it up with our own self-righteousness and we say, well, I'm basically kind of a good person. I just sin every now and again on occasion and I am not really empty. And the cross and the empty tomb tell us otherwise. It's a negative theology. It's a theology that sucks those things out of your life. It's a theology that informs you that there is nothing there. That Jesus has no use for your sin, nor does Jesus have use for your Self-righteousness. He doesn't want either of them, so he's just left you empty. And what he promises to you is that that emptiness will be filled up. And it will be filled up by the Holy Spirit. 
And that Holy Spirit is going to work in your life in a manifest number of ways. And for each of us, that's going to look a little bit different. And so it's basically impossible for me to talk about that part of it in a sermon. But what I can talk about in this sermon is very simply this. We don't have to worry about the positive. God is going to worry about that for us. He's going to worry about bringing us those new life things that arrive in our hearts. He's going to bring that through his word. He's going to bring that through his law. He's going to bring that through his gospel. And yet, what we have to hang on to, the difficult work of our Christian experience, the difficult work of this Easter, is to believe in an empty tomb. Is to believe in the forgiveness of sin. Is to believe... That everything that you might see as negative is being taken away. Your sin, your self-righteousness, your mortality. All of those things are being taken away. And you are left this Easter gloriously with a negative Theology that stands before an open tomb and recognizes that there's something about you that corresponds with that tomb. Amen.